The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golpe with Remax, the Golpe team. Welcome to the Golpe Real Estate Show with host Rick Zamprin. Yeah, another Saturday is here. That means the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition is live on the air here on 900 CHML. Rob Golfie, as you know, is a sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfie team. If you want to sell your home or you're in the market to buy a house, call Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara's top real estate team, the Golfie team, 905-575-7700, online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Follow the Golfie team on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you have a topic idea or a real estate-related question you would like us to answer on a future program, send the Golfie team an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Rob, how are you? What's your, what's your real estate life looking like these days? Wow, it's uh, it's it's been a roller coaster. It's been uh, it's it's definitely people are feeling um, the transition. So the guy that sold his house in February of this year, congratulations! Let's give him a round of applause because he did well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the guy that's selling towards the end of March, uh, he ain't gonna do as good as the guy that sold in February, and uh, it's just the way uh, the cycle goes. It's almost. Uh, uh, 2017, uh, repeating itself. So, so now when we're going to, uh, people's homes and sitting down with them, um, we're telling them, be careful, don't hold offers. Um, and they still want to do that because it's what their neighbor did, uh, uh, like not even two, three weeks ago, or even a month ago. And, uh, and we're finding it's backfiring. And, uh, so, so, it just it's 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 a scary way to go right now because we are in a transition market. This is when things are changing, just like you guys were announcing, you know, the market's changed, it's down one percent from the previous month. And so there's so it's starting to level off right now. Mm-hmm. And uh and I was just talking to a guy in Toronto, he was saying that um the uh, you know the numbers are a lot bigger in Toronto, so they're getting between a hundred and hundred fifty thousand less. Uh, from uh, uh, identical house in the same neighborhood than than uh, the you know people that sold in February. So right. versus selling towards the end of March. So so there is a uh, there is a change happening. But but the only thing is the change doesn't matter if you're selling and you're buying in the same market. The great thing of the people that sold in March, I uh, sorry sold in February, and if they haven't found a house yet, they actually got a little bit of advantage because now the house that they're buying is going to be a little less than in the house that they sold. So, so they ended up being great in that transition market. But if you, um, if you sold in like, let's say earlier, like December, which the market was so good and bought in February or whatever, then you're, you're going to, you're going to pay a little high, but it, it doesn't matter because the market will catch up and it'll catch up even faster than it did in 2017. And I, and I brought, I, like, I brought some numbers, like I'm going to go over some of the main areas of what's happening, but, um, but I brought some numbers in reference to Hamilton. So in Hamilton in, uh, 2017, the high market was March, April, May, right? So the average sale price. And now, now when I 
say Hamilton, I'm going to say Hamilton. That's including Stony Creek, Waterdown, Flamborough, all the surrounding areas of Hamilton and Castor, right? Yeah. So the average sale price in 2017 was approximately between, you know, 525 and 549,000 in 2017, March, April, May. Now it took two years for that market to almost catch up to that same number. Okay. <laughs> now b- back then, back then, uh, average days on market. So May average days on, uh, uh sorry, not average days, uh, inventory days of inventory left was 43 days. Then two years later, it was 59 days. Well, I'm going to tell you, we're almost, we're almost going to come up to two year mark of less than 30 day inventory. So our market's totally changed. This is, it's incredible. So starting July of 2020 and beyond like till now, our inventory level has been less than 30, 30 days or less. So in March, January, February, March of this year in Hamilton and surrounding areas, January was 18 days of inventory. Uh, February, 16 days of inventory. Now it's starting to climb March, 24 days of inventory. So things are starting to climb back up. So what I'm saying is, is that I think the inventory level is going to be probably 30 to 40 days, probably the balance of the year because the inventory is down. It, it is down. So that's in Hamilton. So, in, uh, so I, I, I did Burlington. So Burlington took a longer time to recover. So in Burlington, the average sale price selling in 2017 in the spring, like March, April, May, was about $840,000. It took till 2020 to get back to that number. So Burlington had a really strong 2017 spring, but it took to the spring of 2020 to, to get back to that same number. But now, now it's just climbing. So again, uh, since uh, like August uh, or even uh, July, it's been less than 30 days, 30 days of, um, of, of inventory that we, uh, we have. Uh, so, so basically January of this year, 15 days of inventory, February 14. Now March was 21 days and it'll, 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 it's going to hover around thir- less than 30 days of inventory uh, for Burlington, but Niagara. Now this is the, this, this is really something to, to, to look at. So in Niagara house prices were, were I, I think Niagara was discovered in 2017 <laughs> or, and so what happened was the average sale price in Niagara in the spring of 2017 was about 430,000. So, but they recouped that price in 2018 in June, July, and August of 2018. So one year they were back on track because you know how prices dropped after t- uh, the beginning of 2017 yeah. and they had to level out. So, it, so that sh- that the recovery there was, was really good because the house prices were, were decent, 400, like 410, 420,000 for an average sale price. Now, 2017 uh, uh, days of inventory were 24 days. Now, uh, again, we're about less than uh, uh, 31 days on the market. And, but now, but the difference with 2017 versus now, house prices almost doubled in four years, five years. Now, in the other areas, they didn't. But Niagara house prices doubled uh, since 2017. So incredible, incredible. But the, the other thing here, so now, now what's happening from February to March well, in Hamilton, and that's uh, in Hamilton, um, there was, uh, an in- for some reason, there was an increase in sales, it shows here, of um, 29%. 
now there was an increase, there was a decrease in average sale price. So uh, in February, the average sale price uh, in Hamilton was 870,500. Well, now it's 800, uh, March is 850,400. So it dropped 2% in, uh, in Hamilton. Um, so it's, so it's, it's starting to adjust itself, but we're still higher than we were last year. Now Burlington, they had a 7% drop in average sale price. Uh, so, so they, they, that was a bigger drop there. And in Brantford, uh, 4% drop over February versus March and uh, St. Catharines, 2% drop, uh, February or March, but guess, look at this one. February versus March of this year, Niagara Falls up 10% average sale price <laughs> and up 35% in unit sales. Incredible. So Niagara Falls is still the destination for people that are driving to looking for homes. It's, it is still the, the hot spot in the Golden Horseshoe. Welland down 1% average sale price from February to March. So the average sale price now in Welland is 717500 and uh, so they last month it was seven hundred twenty four thousand. Now Oakville, up two percent average sale price month over month uh, from uh, March uh, to February. So they uh, they did pretty good. And Toronto's down one percent uh, average sale price. So overall, overall things are adjusting itself. We're in that transition market. Things are re- redefining itself, but it will come back. And the reason why is inventory levels are still low. Now, based on March of 2022 versus March of 2021, um, it, uh, sales um, uh, were, were down 25, 24% overall, right from the whole golden horseshoe, but uh, 20, uh, 25% up year over year in price overall. Now, our newsletter is coming out next week. And everybody will be able to see this and they'll be able to see, you know, at each uh, area what uh, average sell prices uh, versus last year and also uh, month over month average sell price. So I know I didn't give you much time in this first section uh, to talk, uh, <laughs> that, Rick. That's okay. But I got a boatload it, well, of questions. We can, we can, we can go to the next segment and ask questions, but talk De- to me. Definitely. Well, uh, before we uh, ask a bunch of questions, I, I will say this is a bit of a tease to our listeners who are wondering, you know, what about my neighborhood of the city? We'll, we'll dive into some of those numbers early in our next segment here, but I'll I'll end this segment with this kind of tease. What do Flamborough, Dundas, Ancaster, Waterdown, Stony Creek, Glambrook, Burlington, and Grimsby have in common. We'll tell you when we come back here. But don't forget, you got to call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales if you want to get your home sold. The number is 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. You'll be calling Hamilton's first ever real estate team to sell 1,000 homes in a year. You can visit their website as well, robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Also on the docket today, we'll talk about tiny homes and co-owners. Ownership. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Thanks for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition. We're back here on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin alongside Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. You can call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales at 905-575-7700. Online to get your home sold, robgolfy.com is the website. That's Rob robgolfi.com. Check out the Golfy team on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, if you have a topic idea or a question for the Golfie team that you want addressed on a future program, send them an email. Questions at robgolfie.com is the email address. Still to come, we'll talk about the foreign home buyer's tax, which is changing once again here in this country, tiny homes and co-ownership as well. But, Rob, you went through some of these statistics in uh, Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara for uh, March of 2022. Some uh, increases and decreases compared to February and, of course, March from uh, 2021. But just before the break, I mentioned that a number of communities or neighborhoods in town have something in common. Flamborough, Dundas, Ancaster, Waterdown, Stony Creek, Landbrook, Burlington, and Grimsby all have an average sale price right now of over one million dollars. We've never seen that before. Yeah, it, it, it isn't it funny. It just it, inventory. Inventory is the key thing that's that's driving this uh, this this market. And uh, from last year to this year, so you basically everybody's a millionaire now if they, <laughs> if they have the house paid for. So uh, the average sale price, like, and, and the sad thing is it is expensive for uh, somebody to buy a house now. So you, it, like, do not get out. I'm telling you, if you own a house and you thinking, you know, getting out and, and coming back in uh, into the market uh, down the road, don't do that. You will regret it. And it'll be so hard to get back into the market, but it, it, it is, it is ridiculous. And how housing prices have gone up. It, it is tough. Um, I, and, and it's just the whole scramble of life, how it's happened. Like you got like my parents' generation, they're not moving unless it like, unless they have to, they're staying in their houses a lot longer, even though my parents moved last year, but there's a lot of people on my parents' street. They're in their late eighties and nineties are still living in their houses. Hmm. They're still living in there. So those, it's that generation. And I'm not blaming them saying they should move. I'm just saying, it, it's changed. This pandemic has changed the, the way they're, they're not, they're going to say, Hey, wait a minute, I'll hire somebody to take care of me and come in here and, and help me, you know, cook and stuff like that. I can, I don't have to go to a, a retirement or old age home to do that. And, and because of, of the COVID and then that, and you know, we had the, the, the retirement homes and old age homes had a bad press from the beginning because of the contamination in those, in those facilities. So, that's why they're staying there longer. Now you got gener- the millennials and Generation Z coming up the pipeline, and now they're they're buying homes. And the key thing is, is they have been raised saying, "Listen, we, we got to get a home." There's a there's a rush to buy a house now because who knows how long this is going to continue with this rise of 
of homes. But I, but in my opinion, I think it, it's stabilized and it's going to float around uh, around the, the number it is now. And I don't think there's because it just can't afford to go more. Now, again, I could be wrong, you know, but I've been mostly right, guys, just to let you know. <laughs> but uh, I could be wrong, but I think it's going to float around right around where we are right now yeah. because uh, it's just unsustainable to keep continuing uh, the way it's going. The next area of uh, the city that is uh, on the cusp of breaking through that $1 million barrier is the Hamilton Mountain. Average sale price in uh, March of 2022, $968,000 in change. I, I would have never thought, I'm sure many people listening to this would have never thought that they would ever own a home that would be worth a million dollars. Like that was, you know, you'd have to get into a mansion way back when to say, hey, I have a million dollar home. Now, you know, quote unquote, ordinary homes are going for a million bucks. I, I know. It, and it, I just can't believe it. I, I remember when I bought uh, my house, my, my, like my, like on, it was on Chatham street and I paid in 1987 and it closed in yeah 1987 October. I paid a hundred thousand dollars for that house. That was a lot of money then, mm-hmm. but guess what? 18 months later, I sold it for 145,000. So I did pretty good on that 45% <laughs> increase. It was a similar situation, but um, but you know, and I, and I owned quite a few houses in and around lock street area where, where I had a lot of investment properties like Tuckett, Melbourne and Brettlebane and all those, uh, streets. But, um, it just, but I, I think it was affordable to a point where the income actually was able to be managed pretty good. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what I was earning and what I could afford to buy Rick, it, it I could buy it on my own. It made sense. But yeah. It, it made sense. Like your income made sense on the housing prices, even though that was a boom at the time, even though it was, that was a boom almost like it is now, but not as bad as, as it is now. Like, you know what I mean? It, it was, there was a boom and uh, I mean, uh, it's just, just crazy. It's just crazy. But yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, everything, a lot, a lot of them are over a million dollars, you know? And did you buy that uh, first house knowing that you were going to turn it over pretty quick or was that just a situational thing where you thought, Hey, I can make, I can make some money here and then move up kind of the, the, the house food chain, if you will. I, you know what I, when I bought it, I, I like, I was that young guy that, you know, listened to the TV courses, buy real estate, this and that. It just, it just locked me in. It sucked me in to buy and, and it worked out well. And I was more in for the long term, but for some reason I sold it just before the uh, 1990 uh, recession that's, that kicked in in April. Uh, I think it was April, uh, March or April of 2000, no, sorry, 1990. And, uh, so I, I cashed out at the peak and, uh, and then, and then things, you know, kind of turned around with, uh, real estate. It took, it took a while. That recession was different. Uh, the government's a lot smarter now, more immigration. Now they didn't have as much immigration back then in 1990. Uh, even, uh, months of inventory was a, a lot more and I'm trying to actually get the stats on that, but, it was a totally different type of market. And, and, but the last recession that we were in is 2008, nine. It didn't, that wasn't much of a recession. Those are normal recessions, not like 1990. And, uh, and if anybody understands that, and I was, I was a young guy. So, I mean, I got beat up pretty good in 1990 in the, 
early, not early nineties, but mid nineties, because, because people were still floating around doing business, but it caught up to them in the mid nineties. So I got beat up pretty, pretty good in the, in the mid nineties, you know, because I had people owed me money, you know, during business and stuff. I wasn't a real estate agent then, but I had business, I had a business and I'm telling you it was tough. But what I'm saying is, is we won't experience that we'll experience this ups and downs. But if you, if you look at the graph, if you look at the graph of real estate for the last 50 or 60 years, and you saw it, and I'm actually going to redo that graph. Um, how housing prices doubled in uh, every 10 years since 1960, it, it'll continue to do that. And there's ups and downs, you know, throughout d- different times, but real estate's always been climbing strongly for the lot for, for eternity, like ever since they started building houses. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see the update because we, we've seen over the last um, two to three, five years, some huge increases, especially since the pandemic, that is for sure. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about, uh, obviously, housing affordability or, or unaffordability is a huge topic in this city, in this province, in this country, uh, and even other nations like New Zealand, which is really has you know a housing crisis very similar to ours, and how co-ownership might be an option for some people. So uh, there was a great story in globalnews.ca earlier on, which profiled a 36-year-old man who's a teacher and a financial planner in the Toronto area. So he basically emailed a bunch of his pals to say, hey, do you want to, you know, go in on a house together? Can we make it work? And after sending out emails to dozens of these individuals, he kind of narrowed the field down to, uh, you know, a handful of people that had, you know, um, were able to make a sizable down payment, had some of the same kind of views in terms of living together. Uh, obviously, financial stability was a big factor in all this. So uh, everyone pooled their money in together, and they ended up buying a semi-detached house in Toronto for just shy of $2 million. Yeah, a semi-detached home for just shy of $2 million. And apparently they're making it work. So the mortgage payments work out to about $1,500 a person. Uh, they, there's no way they would have bought this home on their own. So co-ownership is working right now. And some of the reasons why is they're on the same page. They have monthly meetings. They get together to talk about, you know, what's working and what's not. The communication is a huge factor. Is that the first thing that you must have, you know, apart from the financials, that communication is a must to make co-ownership work? Uh, Absolutely. You have to have that uh, communication. You have to have everything in writing. And also, like you almost have to designate where who's taking up what space. And I, and I, I'm not sure, uh, sure, but this is probably a, like it's a duplex, which is, which is fantastic. You have your own private uh, quarters and everything each of them do. And then, and then you just got to share the backyard and you just got to decide who gets what part, what can you do that and everything. But you, you definitely, this is, this is perfect, but you've got to find the right house for the right people. Yeah. So now it's not just looking for the right house for one couple. You're looking for the right house for two couples that will appreciate. Now who gets the upper floor and, and the lower floor, who gets this, who gets that, 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 that is a key factor. So, and if you got, if you meet up with another couple that can agree on this, then, then that's pretty cool. Cause most, most people are pretty easy going, right? You know, they don't care. They are just happy to have a house. Um, I don't know if they say, well, the, the lower unit is the better unit. Should I be paying more? But they made an agreement and they said, we each pay 50% of the mortgage. And, and, and 
and what they did is, is there's a company out of Toronto, uh, and they're, it's, it's called Arboro, uh, if I pronounce that right, and they specialize in co-ownership agreements. And, and it says that it, 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 they see dramatic in, you know, increase of people doing this, but they know what people need to have in writing so that when they put this together. So this company in Toronto, is, is, is their business is up 400% because of people who are looking to uh, cohabitate or co-own houses together, which I think is, is now the only way. I mean, you can, if you can find yourself a duplex, you know, for, for $2 million or $3 million and you split the cost on everything, I think, uh, I think it's a great way to go. I, I, I would do that if, if that was, if I was in that category, if I was a millennial trying to own, own a house, each of these couples, they couldn't afford to even buy uh, a one point five million dollar house on their own so That's they right. bought a two million dollar house now and i think they bought this just as the pandemic started yeah so i think they bought this in 2020 so can you imagine that that house that they purchased uh for uh, uh two million it's probably worth three million dollars or more now another interesting part of this um this example of co-ownership is that they have a contingency plan that uh, you know, includes legal agreements, spreadsheets, just, you know, expectations so they're all on the same page, including if one of these individuals wants to sell the house, um, they have an agreement that there's a one-year period before the sale can go ahead, and that is to allow for a change of heart, to others find new co-owners if need be. So that that list of expectations has to be written out for it to to, to make work. Yeah, it makes it easier so that they can't surprise somebody and saying, hey, I want out now. Like it, it gives them a year to prepare so that they're not left hanging and, and having to juggle or anything like that, which is a great which is a great concept, because, you know what, you, you don't want somebody all of a sudden waking up one morning and say, you know what, I don't want this anymore. I'm, I'm out. And but now in the agreement, it's going to say, listen, you got to give us almost a year plan or or you're you're and on there. I think it says that you have to the person that wants out will have to pay all the the fees that it, that in related the to cost the cost of selling. Yeah. And that, know, that makes sense. Like, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it does make it does make sense. It does make sense. So it's a pretty good thing. This company in Toronto, I guess they dealt and they're probably a, they could be a law firm. I don't I don't know that probably did a lot of agreements and they, uh, they probably, you know, uh, over time came across different scenarios, different situations so that they put this all together and they got a, an iron glad bulletproof agreement for, for both parties uh, when they're uh, partnering up and buying a uh, property. Another neat uh, aspect to this story as well is during the, the Omicron wave, which erupted basically, well, started last late November, I would say, uh, early December, is that because they had a duplex, they were able to, by and large, keep away from each other because they had their own kind of separate space, which was, you know, increasingly important during the initial stages of, of Omicron. But from, from co-ownerships, from, you know, the, the millennial side to perhaps some millennials, you know, leaning on their parents to say, hey, do you want to go in on a home together? You know, I'll live there. You can help pay for it. How does this work? Because there is, you know, some, some pitfalls that people can fall into here. Yeah. So here's the one thing. So let's say, let's say you have a parent, parents that are going to help their kids out. Now, if the parents are still together, they're married and they both had this child, it is not a problem to help out the child. But what if the parents are split up and now they each got new partners? Now, if let's say if the, the, the father of this child wants to help their, their, their child out and they have to 
you know, put their name or they, they're helping with the down payment and they're, and they're putting the, um, uh, their name on title. But what if happens is the father uh, separates and divorces the second wife. <laughs> now huh? the second wife can have access. She can say, Hey, listen, you're, we were together. You put the money down on your, your kid's house. I want, I, I, I want part of that money too. So that could be an aspect of it. There's different ways you can do to help your child out. But, but that's one part of it that could be a, a situation that you have to have everything in writing. Now, um, sometimes you, you can have issues with, uh, you know, kids, like they want to buy a house. The father doesn't, uh, father or mother doesn't want them to purchase that house because they have a different idea of a house that they want. That becomes an issue. There's so many issues, Rick, mm-hmm. and uh, you have no idea. So you got to put everything on the table and you got to talk to a lawyer. That's for sure. That is key. Uh, next segment, we're going to talk about tiny homes. Get ready for that. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 chml Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you, alongside Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scarman Realty, the Golfy team. You can follow the Golfy team on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, and the first ever real estate team in Hamilton to sell a thousand homes at a year. 905-575-7700. Online, robgolfi.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Don't forget, Golfi gets it sold. Questions for the Golfi team? Send them an email, questions at robgolfi.com. Again, that email address is questions at robgolfi.com. In a few minutes, we'll talk about the foreign home buyer's tax and the latest tweak to that. But tiny homes, we're seeing here in Hamilton for at least the homeless population, those tiny shelters that are being purchased. A lot of people are considering tiny homes, not only because maybe they're minimalists, but they're much cheaper than the one or two million dollar homes that are seen on the market. What's your opinion of this tiny home phenomenon? I I think it's going to be very popular because it is going to be affordable. Um, And uh, it's it's the only, but but there is a lot of people that, you know what, we're, we're we have the generation coming up. They don't care about having the luxury. They, they just, they, to them, their luxury is traveling uh, or spending time, you know, hanging out and with their friends and going different places. Um, that's the generation that's coming up because, you know, to them maintaining this big, a big house with a lot of property and everything else like that, they go, why am I, why would I want to do that? And so, so now these minimalist homes, these, these big cottages or granny flats, as they call them, they're, they're great. They're cool. They're, you know, they're trendy and, uh, and the, and the young population, they love it. And, and they're, and they're going to be more and more popular as time goes on because like people have been buying these condos that are going up. They're like a box in the sky. Well, guess what? How about that 
box on a, you know, on a property that, you know, you have a little bit of a yard and you have some neighbors and you're outside, you can breathe, you can sit on a little porch or you can sit at, you know, a little picnic table in the back. That's what's going to be popular coming up. And, and I, and they're already uh, sprouting up in different parts of uh, Canada um, that they're creating some of these uh, little small, tiny home areas. What do you think the appeal is? Is it that, you know, that that white picket fence traditional kind of vision of the home is is no longer being considered by today's youth? Or they just figure that, listen, I don't need a lot of space. I'm just starting out on my home purchasing journey. I just want to get something that is very affordable but and, and not much upkeep or maintenance to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you ever remember, you ever heard of the term wartime homes? The wartime homes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. wartime wartime homes. What they did is they built these wartime homes and they built them fast and they were affordable and they were uh, and very cheap and they were small. So a, a wartime home could be like maybe six seven hundred square feet, two bedrooms, kitchen, living room, and a bathroom. That's it. So these pe- veterans would be coming home and they needed a place. They didn't have much money because they're just starting their jobs because they after coming from the war and. So they would build these homes so that they can, so somebody can have a home and, and have, start having a family. Now these wartime homes are still around and how you can tell these wartime homes are, they are houses that obviously were built in uh, the late forties and, and, and the fifties after the war. And what, what it is, they don't have basements. They're built on blocks. A lot of them are foundations, but there's no basements. Those homes, that's, that's going to come back those are going to come back because it's going to be affordable. But the difference now, the way they do it, they don't back then they built it on site. These are being built in a, in a warehouse mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to be picked up by a crane and dropped on a, on a, on a foundation. And, uh, and people are going to move in and buy in. These are appealing. Like I'll tell you, you can probably, it, it, and this, you're going to start seeing these sprout out. And I know this is like a trailer park home style almost, but somebody can own, you know, 10 acres of land. If, if the township or city allows it, you can put these tiny homes on here. You know, obviously you need, you know, uh, sewers and everything that for, for it to go, but you can go in the country. You can, have, you can build a lot of these and you have like a little village of these tiny homes and everybody's living in there. Either somebody buys it, built, uh, brings them in and rents, rents each unit out. But, but these things are very caught, like very cheap to, to, uh, pay, uh, they say what, 30,000 for a finished one, three for a 300 square foot home, anything larger or more, uh, costs upwards 50,000 to 80,000. So can you imagine you put 200 <laughs> of these in a big area at 80,000 a piece, you know what? It's cheaper than, than, you know, uh, you can rent those out cheaply, which is affordable rent. And, uh, it'd be very popular. It'd be like a little neighborhood you live in. It'd be like living at Shirkston. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I got a question for yeah. you about tiny homes. We'll get to that when we come back here. And we'll also talk about uh, changes to the foreign home buyers tax. The Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition, continues on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
faces and these faces are getting old. So I'm going home. And one last go around here on the Golfie Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Find them on the World Wide Web. RobGolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G O L F I.com. Call the Golfie team at 905 575 7700. And you can follow them on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. You can also listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfie Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. One more question on tiny homes before we move to the foreign home buyers tax. Do you get the sense, you know, I'm just picturing these tiny homes, this tiny kind of village uh, somewhere in Hamilton or Burlington or Niagara. And we know that first time home buyers are going to be hot and heavy for these things. Would the senior population also be um, attracted to this given that you don't have to do the stairs. If it doesn't have a basement, again, you don't have to do the stairs. It's going to be easier living. What do you think? Absolutely. Because there's a lot of seniors, uh, maybe they don't have the retirement plan that uh, they have. They, they're living on, you know, maybe old age pension, Canada pension and, and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at renting uh, uh, either an apartment or thing. This is ideal for them. This is ideal. It'll be more affordable you will see a lot of scene. You'll see you'll see a mixed mixture of everybody uh, wanting to either buy these or rent these out, and and then and there'll probably be like a fun little area to to live in these things if if they do make like a like a site of this stuff. Should be interesting to see how this uh, develops, not only in this community, but across uh, the nation. All right, let's uh, end it with the, um, well, another, I guess, measure that the government is introducing, and that's the home, uh, the foreign home buyers tax. Already introduced, but they're hiking the tax from the current 15% to 20%. But there are many experts in the real estate industry, Rob, as you know, that are saying that this is not really going to do what the government thinks it's going to accomplish. It, it isn't. It, and, uh, you know what, it, it, it's a little bit of a money grab, but the people that are buying these properties and paying this 20%, it's just the cost of doing business. They still feel that Canada is the, uh, a great investment to own properties, even with the 20%. But there's a lot of loopholes here. So for instance, um, you know, permanent, re- uh, so loopholes, but this is for permanent residents. So foreign workers and students will be excluded from this new, uh, with the new measures. Foreigns, uh, foreigners who, who are purchasing their primary residence here in Canada will be exempt. So students will be exempt because a lot of them are coming here to, to school and, and become a, uh, a resident of Canada. And, you know, these guys are driving their Lamborghinis in, in university and uh, all their cars and, and whatever. These guys have money. They will be exempt because they're, they're applying for their permanent residence. And, and, and other people are, are going to say, this is my primary residence and in, 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 is going to be Canada. So they'll be exempt. But the investors, they're still buying. 20% is just the cost of doing business because the way real estate is going up in Canada is still a great investment, even paying 20% tax when they purchase. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like, hey, look at this shiny object over here and don't worry about, you know, the housing supply, which is really the key to solving the uh, affordability and and really the availability of, of homes. Oh, absolutely. And and it's just uh, we're, we're not going to solve that problem like this. Foreign, like I'm going to tell you, Rick, we don't get that many people I we deal with that are foreigners that are buying houses. 
So, and what do they say? There's only a, uh, what's the percentage? 3% in Canada that are, are, are foreign tax buyers, it was foreign buyers. 3.4% of all residential properties in Toronto five years ago. Five years ago. So it could be a little higher now. It's, yeah. it's hard to tell, but notice it's Toronto. They don't have anything in Hamilton mm-hmm. or Burlington or Niagara or Brantford or any, anywhere of those areas. Well, really it's, so, it's Toronto and Vancouver that are, de- that are dealing with this, right? It, it, it's the major cities. It's the major cities that are experiencing that. But even though I'm, uh, they're uh, putting this 20% tax, I think right across Ontario, and I think, I'm not sure if Vancouver, is, uh, British Columbia is the same way, but it, it's not going to deter them from buying in Canada. Canada is a great country to own real estate. Like no matter where you go, you're gonna, you're pro, your, your investment is going to do well. So, and as long as they keep coming here, they are going to drive the prices up, regardless whether they're paying the 20% or not. Yeah, yeah that housing supply, as we know, is going to take years to solve. I mean, really, when you think of all the red tape and all the, uh, you know, the planning that goes into it, then you have to build the home, then you make sure you got enough, uh, you know, people are interested in these areas of the city. It's a, it's a long haul, that is for sure. It's a problem that's not going to be corrected overnight. That's for sure. Yep. Well, Rob, we got to go. Fantastic program once again. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the show and enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, thanks to all our listeners for tuning in as well. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition. We're back next Saturday at 9 a.m. right here on 900 CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.